This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing of a wound. Just a quick spray or dab can help with a wide range of issues ranging from cuts, scrapes, sunburns, rashes, including stubborn diaper rashes. I discovered Active Skin Repair Baby when my daughter had wicked diaper rashes and it's now part of our diaper rash routine. Apply and then use your balm or ointment of choice. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews, you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your first order by using code PEDSDOC. That's 20% off your order by using code P-E-D-S-D-O-C. Research really only tells us what happens for the average child, what happens to most children. There's always exceptions. And that's why it's so important to trust yourself as a parent, because even if research says this is what happens, it doesn't mean every single child. That's why research is just kind of a guide for us and not necessarily like the end all be all for parenting. So I definitely think when parents say that to me, I would say, well, it's possible. I'm not saying that it's completely impossible that your one-year-old has learned from this show. But what the research shows is that most children under three cannot learn from videos. And even if they do learn from videos, the learning doesn't seem to be as deep. So even if they're imitating a word, they're not generalizing it to other situations, which means they don't really have the word as a communication tool. It's more just kind of parroting the word. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining me as I welcome another amazing guest onto this podcast. Remember to leave a review and share this podcast so we can continue to have another great year of this show. On this episode, I welcome Kara Goodwin. She is coming on to talk about are certain TV shows harmful for your child? She is a child psychologist, mom of three, who translates the research on child development and parenting in an easy to understand way for parents to apply and use. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kara. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I discovered your platform, um, Parenting Translator, on Instagram about, I would say, last year. And I know you've been doing what you do for a while. And I'm like, how did I not know about this account? And that's kind of the beauty of social is that you end up finding all these amazing accounts and you're like, wow, this is incredible. The information that you provide is so useful. And like I said, you're basically taking all of the research out there that we do have on child development, parenting, anything parents are asking, and just allowing parents to see the information out there so that they can make the best choices for their children. Tell me more about yourself and what prompted you to start to do this, especially on social media. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. So I am a child psychologist and a mother, as you mentioned, and I was a child psychologist first. And then when I became a mother, it became clear to me, you know, I'd be talking to my other parent friends at the playground Mm -hmm. or whatever, that we'd be talking about a problem with our kids. And I would say, well, you know about like the research on this topic. And they would look at me like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I just realized that there was a real problem because I've spent a lot of time doing this research and being involved in the research world and also 
as a psychologist communicating this research to parents. And I realized there was a huge problem that there's all this research that all this money and time and effort goes into, and then it's not reaching the people that really need it. And, you know, as parents, we don't need the research to take a few years to get to us. Like we need the information that's going to help us immediately. So my goal is really to take all this research that's coming out every day and to break it down for parents and explain how it can help you and help you to make decisions in your everyday lives. Well, I love it because like you said, there is a lot out there that people probably don't even know exists in terms of research and being able to tweeze through it, go through and make sure that it's easy to understand for parents is such an art. So again, I just love what you're doing and how you do it. And even when I read, I'm like, yes, yes, this makes sense. And, you know, understanding the research and obviously how we apply it clinically is such an art. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we're talking about TV shows, which I think is such a great topic. You know, I've talked about screen time on my YouTube channel, on my platform, and, you know, in so many different ways in terms of the recommendations surrounding the hours of screen time, you know, no screen time under such and such age. If you're looking for all that information, everyone, you can get that on my YouTube channel. And I have some blogs about that. But I invited Kara to talk to me about certain TV shows being harmful. Notably, I think it was last year or the year before, there was like a viral trend about how Coco Melon, the very popular animated cartoon show, if you will, is harmful. And it's like crack for children. Um, yes, and I saw that. that terminology is strong. Obviously, we want to make the best choices for our children. So there are a lot of TV shows out there. And so many of them are obviously geared towards children. What does the research tell us about the quality of shows our kids are watching? Does it matter? What should we look out for? And where can we start from there? Yeah. So we do have research showing that the quality of shows matter. So there's a really interesting study where they had parents not change the amount of time the children mm -hmm. were engaging in screen time, but just change the content. So more educational content. And they actually found better outcomes in the children just by randomly assigning children or parents to change the content. So content really does matter. And what the research suggests you're looking for is something with educational or social emotional content, something that's bringing in either academic concepts or teaching your children social and emotional content. What we don't have evidence for yet is that some of these shows that have kind of been villainized like Coco Melon mm -hmm. are particularly harmful. There's a lot out there about, you know, that I see on social media about the pace of television shows, you know, fast pace versus slow yeah. television shows. And I think that's a big part of the argument against Coco Melon, but there's really mixed research on whether the pace of the show matters. And the more recent research suggests that it maybe doesn't. So that's kind of an evolving area, but we don't have any research yet that these fast paced shows are harmful for brain development in any way. There is research, as I said, suggesting that you want to look for educational content, shows that have social emotional content, like some examples of shows that have been found to be beneficial in the research are mm -hmm. Daniel Tiger, Super Y, a lot of these PBS shows actually, and Dora the Explorer and other yeah. shows where it seems like the characters are interacting with your child. That can be beneficial because the more a show feels interactive and responsive to a child, the more a child is likely to learn from it. 
Oh, I'm writing all of these down because I love it. We've stuck to a handful of shows. Daniel Tiger is one of them, the ones you mentioned. But it makes sense also from a developmental perspective that we always talk about screen time being a vehicle of an activity. In an ideal world, we would watch screens with our children, especially the younger that they are because of co-viewing, pointing things out. When they smile at something, we smile also. It's like a family event and it's really great for their development when it's a family activity. And so I think a lot of the things that we have to kind of realize is like you said, the quality, I agree, does play a role. And it's a lot of it is the parent looking at what that show may be doing to their child. Like for using Cocomelon, I'm going to use that as an example again. Yeah, some parents will tell me that after they turn off Cocomelon, that they feel like their child has a meltdown. And I say, well, what about other shows? Because at that age, if it's like an 18-month-old or a two-year-old, any change in what they want to do, right? You set a boundary and you have to turn off a TV show, could make them dysregulated. So is it that it's normal regardless of the show? Is it that you truly believe it's always happening with Coco Melon? Because even if the data says, okay, may not be an issue, if you feel like your child doesn't do well with a certain show, you can, as a parent, decide, okay, it's not working for my kid. You know, every children's brain and everything is built differently, but it's such an interesting thing. And I think it's such an important conversation. And I can see why the Daniel Tiger and Dora, you know, when they're talking to you, instead of just talking to each other or just kind of repetition sounds, it feels more involved and also helps that development because there is somewhat of an interaction, even though it's not fully reciprocated interaction, like with a caregiver, there is some sort of pausing happening. There is some sort of, you know, like they ask a question, there's a pause, and then the child is kind of thinking about it. So I can see how those shows like Daniel Tiger and Dora that kind of engage with the viewer a little bit can be better in terms of developmental things that can be beneficial for the child. Yes, definitely. And I think, you know, some of these strategies that you mentioned, like watching with your child, interacting with your child, you know, research finds that that actually does enhance learning during the TV show. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that age is a big factor Mm -hmm. here. So a lot of research finds that children 36 months and younger aren't going to learn very well from any sort of Mm -hmm. video media, you know, whether it's TV show or YouTube video, whatever it is, they just aren't going to learn as well from that kind of video format. And as children enter preschool, so as they get beyond age three, it is possible for them to learn from television shows. And especially like these higher quality shows that we've been talking about, it is possible for them to learn academic concepts, social emotional concepts, to learn new words. But it really is up until age three that you see what we call this video deficit, which means that it's hard for them to learn from video. Yeah. And you know, I just get so many parents that tell me that they swear that their children are learning so much from TV at such a young age. And I'm talking, like you said, under three, let's even go under two infants. I'll have infants in my office, parents of children under one who tell me, you know, I swear my child's learning to speak because we watch whatever TV show that they're watching. And if you're listening to this conversation with Kara and I, and you're like, yeah, this was me. And I swear it works. I'm not saying, you know, we have to also respect the research, obviously that we're talking about that. Yes, we don't prefer screen times under one. Um, It's not something I gravitate towards. And like I said, a lot of what you think may be beneficial could be the fact that like we talked about already, that since you're watching it with your child or engaging with your child, just by being a social event, that's how you're developing the language. I'm going to go towards the very popular show, Miss Rachel. Is that the name of the show? Am I right? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Miss Rachel for Littles. It came out and became popular once my son was a little older. Like I think it was around, but I didn't really hear about it until he was like two, two and a half. And so by then we didn't really use it for language development because he was already doing well with language development. But like a lot of parents on TikTok and Instagram are showing that show to their children under one. And they swear that my child started to say hi and bye and all of that. Do you have any thoughts about that show in particular, which is not an animated show? It obviously is a person talking or is it obviously I'm sure it's too early to know any research behind that type of learning style that she portrays. Yeah. So first of all, I would say that, you know, parents are always commenting on my posts when I post yes. research and they say, well, you're wrong because my yeah. child did this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, research really only tells us what happens for the average child, what Correct. happens to most children. There's always exceptions. And that's why it's so important to trust yourself as a parent, because even if research says this is what happens, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean every single child. That's why research is just kind of a guide for us and not Correct. necessarily like the end all be all for parenting. So I definitely think when parents say that to me, I would say, well, it's possible. Absolutely. I'm not saying that it's completely impossible that your one-year-old has learned from this show. But what the research shows is that most children under three cannot learn from videos. And even if they do learn from videos, the learning doesn't seem to be as deep. So even Mm -hmm. if they're imitating a word, they're not generalizing it to other situations, which means they don't really have the word as a communication tool. It's more just kind of parroting the word. So there really is a video deficit for most children under three. And that's not to say that it's not possible. Miss Rachel is a really interesting example. And my youngest is two and a half. Mm -hmm. And I was also like on the old side to we I haven't really done it with my children, but I hear from parents of infants, it's a huge phenomenon. And what she uses are a lot of techniques that, you know, we child psychologists would use to promote language development with kids. And that's, you know, really kind of getting in their face, making eye contact, speaking in these slow. I hate to say it, but kind of annoying voices that we Mm -hmm. use with babies, you know, it is, it's called parentese and it's very effective. It is. And so the techniques that she uses are what we would use in real life. So I think that's great. But what we don't know is whether that translates to learning on video and the research we have suggests that it probably doesn't. I do think it's very useful, though, in terms of teaching parents techniques that they can use with their children. So, you know, I think if you want to watch Miss Rachel with your child and then you learn some techniques and how you can interact with your child in a way that promotes language development, I think that is great. And I think, you know, it's also very common for children, especially around age one and age two, to have these kind of like amazing bursts of language development. Mm -hmm. and. A lot of times parents will attribute that to, oh, well, we just started watching Miss Rachel or, oh, we just started watching such and such show and they use a lot of language. And I think it's important for parents to know that sometimes these language bursts just happen and they're not attributable. We have no evidence that screen time would cause or even help children to learn language in any way. So to realize that it's possible that this show is helping language development. But if you are concerned about your child's language development in any way, like 
child psychologists and other experts in the field would really not suggest using a TV show as your first approach, you know, increasing your in-person interactions and also seeking an assessment from early intervention services or your local speech language pathologist would really be the most research-backed approach. I don't know about you, but warmer, sunnier days mean more time outside, more activities with the family, and less time to think about what to eat. Fuel up for the summer with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. Every meal is fresh, never frozen, dietitian approved, and is easy to warm up. I dream of their spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken daily. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Factor meals feel like a treat when I'm in mom boss mode, working from home, or taking care of the kids with restaurant-style meals with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I have the perfect gift for Father's Day, Melon Premium Headwear. These are the best hats and worth every penny. Check all their five-star reviews if you don't believe me. Without a doubt, the most durable and comfy hats you can find. My husband is hat obsessed, but he's been wearing the same old beat-up hat that was losing its spark in heat and sweat. We got some melon headwear and now he just can't get enough. Melon hats are built to last five times longer than any other hat. And my favorite part... No more gross hat smell. With natural antimicrobial properties, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains and no smell. And if you need to wash it, they come right back to life and look brand new. They offer three different size options to fit everyone's head. Our favorite is the Legend Hat. My husband wore it to an outdoor party and he got tons of compliments. Use code PEDSTOCK at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melin.com and use code PEDSDOC at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. Listen up. I do not want you to go through the toddler years waiting for it to end. I don't want you to go through the toddler years feeling dread about when the next tantrum will come. If you have a kiddo one to four, check out my Toddlers and Tantrums course. This course contains modules on understanding toddler development and why they are the way that they are, understanding why tantrums may happen, mantras to get you through difficult moments with your toddler, including topics surrounding understanding discipline, boundaries, consequences, time-ins and time-outs, how to teach emotional intelligence and coping skills, and common toddler parenting concerns like whining, brushing battles, bedtime battles, hitting, and so much more. This course presents scenarios and scripts to help guide you on many parenting situations in the toddler years and even beyond. Visit pedsdoctalk.com to learn more about my paid and free resources, including the Toddlers and Tantrums course. Oh, I completely agree with that. And you mentioned something really useful about the parroting that happens, right? Especially for our younger toddler baby, let's say like a nine-month-old through a 14-month-old, right? They're parroting, which means that they're repeating and looking at patterns a lot. That's how a lot of their development is going. And so when a parent says, yeah, they're starting to mimic the sound or mimic the lip movement, a lot of it, like you said, could just be that temporary parroting, but it's not something that technically is going to stick if they're learning it from video versus the repetition with 
a parent in front of them. And so, you know, another thing that parents will often tell me, and I want to really just explain why this is not something I love, is they'll have a younger child, uh, let's say a kid under three or even older, that says, my child is so smart that they know how to get into the phone and like swipe and get to the app and all of that. And they boast about that. And I think that's awesome that children are smart, but they know it because they are very good mimickers and parroters, right? They know the motion and they can do that because they've done it hundreds of times or, you know, they've seen you do it. And so that's awesome that they do that. But it's like, obviously, they can do things in other ways, too, like other play activities and stuff like that. And so it's really important to kind of understand that. And then the other thing I have to say about screens is especially I go back to that toddler baby age and, you know, you have a two year old now. But I remember when our son Ryan was like, 11 months to 16 months, his attention span is very, very low, right? They can't focus. And that's normal for a toddler at that age. And so parents in my office will say, well, look, the only way he focuses is if I stick a screen in front of him at that age, right? Their child. And I say, I get that that's going to keep their focus, but is that the type of focus we want to keep for that child? Because are they actually, like you said, absorbing anything that's actually learning? Or is it that they're just seeing images move, right? And so I always like to give a little bit of a warning that, hey, I think it's awesome that our children are focused, but do we want to keep the focus on something like a screen? Um, Obviously, if y'all are doing that, I get why you're doing it, but trying to understand that it's not something we want. We don't want to like have the screen as it's like, hey, this is the only way my kid's going to focus because developmentally, it's very, very common that your child is not going to focus at that age and is going to need some other engaging activities, um, you know, besides screens and all that. Yes, yes. Young children at this one to two age range, like you're talking about, move on from activity to activity very quickly Yeah, because their brains really thrive in different kind of cognitive stimulation as they can get. So because their brains kind of thrive with those kind of changing environments, they are going to bounce from one activity to the next. And that's what's normal for our children's brain development is getting all sorts of different kinds of real life stimulation. And I totally understand, you know, I have three kids and I understand how difficult that like one-year-old age is. Yes. Oh my. Extremely extreme. It's 24-7 supervision needed. And, you know, I understand, but I think it's important for parents to think about when they use a screen, what would I be doing instead? You know, if you're turning on a screen because the only other option I have, right, I'm about to lose my mind. And the only other option I have is screaming my head off. Then like, turn on a screen. That's the right choice. If you need to make dinner or like take care of another child and you just need the baby to be safe for five minutes while you do that, turn on a screen. If the option is having a high quality social interaction with your child or even your child just having some independent playtime, that would be a better choice. So just kind of thinking about what would I be doing instead rather than How can screen time help my child? Because we don't have any evidence for young children that it does promote development or learning in any way. Yes, I love that. Especially what you said about the, if it means peace for you, I agree. I'd rather have that 10 minutes to yourself to just breathe, take that last sip of water. If it just gives you a mental break. And, you know, going back to like what I see on TikTok and Instagram about Miss Rachel, a lot of moms really love her. Like I never watched her shows, but I imagine like when they put her on, the parent also feels super relaxed, super calm. Like it is a break for everybody. And like you said, there's no judgment about needing a break as a parent because we all need it, especially when everything's overstimulated. And if it calms the mood for everybody, that actually could be hugely beneficial too, to, you know, being able to not be 
overstimulated, overwhelmed. So I love that you said that. So do you think with all this, I know we only talked about like these two kind of shows that are kind of out there, but of course there's so many. Do you think parents should be avoiding certain shows altogether with the research that we have at this point, or is it just depends on the situation? Yeah, so the only shows I would say that parents should avoid altogether are shows that are developmentally inappropriate for your child. So, you know, adult TV shows, which often I think a lot of parents will put it on in the background thinking the child isn't even really paying attention. But there's a lot of research linking that this kind of background adult television to negative outcomes Mm -hmm. uh, because it really does, even if we don't realize it, interrupt the interaction between parent and child. So I think, you know, making sure that it's developmentally appropriate, obviously, if it has educational content, like I mentioned, that's better. We really have no evidence that any of these shows cause harm to children's brain development or, you know, even worse, I've seen out there that some shows can cause autism or ADHD. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we have absolutely no evidence whatsoever that any screen time causes autism, ADHD, or any other sort of neurodivergence. So, and I think that can cause a lot of shame for parents with children who are neurodivergent. So I just want to make sure that's out there that we have no evidence that screen time causes those conditions. 100%. And also, like you said, it's shameful. It's stigmatizing. It just is something that should stop. And it's happening so much on social and it makes me cringe. I'm like, what are we talking about here? And as you all know, if you follow my platform and know the show, especially ADHD, autism, these are all neurodivergent conditions. And they're basically the way our brain is wired is different. It doesn't mean that it was caused by something you ate, something you watched, things like that. It's just how our brain works. And that's why it has no effect. And how do you feel like a parent can know if they need to make changes with their screen time usage? You know, we didn't really talk about quantity of screens, but is there something that you would say like, hey, this is kind of when we have to reevaluate our quantity, quality, things like that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really hard to say because every child and every family is so different. Mm -hmm. And I think parents need to really think critically about their own family's needs and their own child's response to screen time. You know, if you're watching TV every morning, for example, and you notice that your child tends to be moodier the days that you watch TV versus the days that you don't. And you realize that maybe watching TV first thing in the morning, like isn't what's best for my child. So just being aware of how your child kind of responds to screen time and also being aware of your own needs as a family. You know, I think there are some out there that can do zero screen time with no stress. And I think that's amazing. But I think for some parents, they need that afternoon break either for their own mental health or because they're working from home or they have Mm -hmm. important tasks to do around the house. And to be aware of using screen time as a tool for you as a parent, but not as a way to entertain your child or stimulate your child or teach your child because children really should be playing with material objects, real life toys and having real life interactions. And we want to maximize that as much as possible. So seeing it more just as a tool to kind of balance the needs of your family and not something that is needed for your child's development. Oh, I love how low judgment you are in this situation, because like you said, it's such a nuanced 
answer like you just did perfectly that every family is so unique you mentioned that you have multiple children and so maybe if you have one child you may have more resources and screens are reality as much as if you have multiple children and need that sort of hey what can we put here while i'm getting like you said dinner on the stove or having to take a moment for yourself so every decision that a parent makes like you said and what you're doing kara is getting the research, understanding benefit, risk, situational circumstances so that parents can make that best choice for their child. And going back to one question I had, so you talked about the parental shows, right? Like meaning adult style shows. What do you feel about sports? I have this question come up a lot that, you know, my, I'll be watching sports and, you know, we'll be engaged and stuff. And then my child will be there. Maybe they're under two, under one. How do you feel about a child being around when a family's watching sports activities on the television? Yeah, we do have sports on in our family on the weekend mm-hmm. sometimes. And I have thought about it. And there really isn't any research that I know of on yeah. this topic. And there should be, because I think it is very common for parents to put on sports, especially in the background. And in my experience in my family, and like I said, there's no research that I know of. So this is just based on my own experience, is that there seems to be more interaction with a sports yeah. game, less distraction. Yes. Um, it's not like you're following a story. It's more just kind of like you're glancing occasionally. And of course, you know, it would always be better to have no distraction from your children. But unfortunately, that's not the world we live on. You know, our phones are distracting us. The laundry machine is beeping. Like there's a lot of things going on in our environment that distract us from high quality interactions with our kids. But I would say, you know, if you do choose to, if you are a family that chooses to turn on sports with your, when your children are awake and around, try to involve them, you know, interact Mm -hmm. with them. I think that's a great time to teach math and numerical skills, like who's winning. So if they have five and they have 47, Which team is winning? Which one is more? You know, stuff like based on your child's developmental level, of course. But if you can bring your child into it and teach them about something that's a passion for you, I think that could potentially be a bonding opportunity for families. So I think that there are some benefits, but that would be a really interesting research study. And hopefully I'll see it soon in the future. Yeah, I completely agree with you that although there is not a research study, which like we talked about, there's not going to be a research study on every single decision you make as a parent. So, so much of it is taking what we do know and like Kara said, applying it to what your circumstances are, what you know about child development and your understanding. And I think that's reasonable, right? There's not going to be something for everything. But I agree that even though there is not research right now, because it's such a social activity and going back to that family activity of screen time, right? The fact that there is talking to the TV. Oh no, you know, you're supposed to make that touchdown, whatever. Right. Um, As you can see, I'm not, I'm not a big football fan, Um, (laughs) but all that is so useful because the child is seeing you engage and maybe that adult is turning to the baby or child and talking to the child. Like, did you see that? Did you see that touchdown? You know, like there's interaction there. So it's not just like turn the TV on and there's no interaction. There's no joint attention. It's actually a very interactive experience. And you said it perfectly, especially as the child's older, Ryan, when we watch sports, because my husband's more of the sports person, when there's someone crying, like, you know, if a team lost and I see them crying, you know, it's an emotional education. Like, oh, see, Ryan, they didn't win. So they were sad. But you see, at the very same time, they're, someone's crying because they're happy. So tears can be for happy tears, but they can also be because we're sad. And he's like, oh, mommy, yes, they're sad. Oh, but they're happy. And it's like I said, there are so many learning opportunities. So we shouldn't completely 
vilify screens like we've talked about this whole episode and especially with sports now you know safety things i think people already know this like if you're drinking and if you're not really attentive to your children if you're getting kind of rough you know getting angry you kind of want to model that a little bit you know like seeing how you are but if it's like a one-time thing very joyous it's like a celebratory thing i think it's reasonable but i do see a lot of anger around the super bowl i think you know this that there is actually a lot of anger issues um, that happen. And I don't want children to be in that sort of environment um, around sports. And if parents are getting a little too into the sports, I want to protect our children too from the anger that can happen if their team doesn't win. <laughs> yes, that's definitely a good point. Yeah, it's a great it's a great opportunity to teach about sportsmanship. And yes, like, yes. Good oh, winners, good losers. Oh, you know. <laughs> yes. And sometimes parents aren't the best example of that. And I understand, but we kind of have to model these things for our kids if we want them to learn it in the future. So just a little so thing true. about sports, sports, yeah. and, uh, sports and our kids. Kara, this was such a great conversation. I'm going to have you on the podcast again, because I just, again, adore you, adore your information and just love everything you're putting out there. But tell my listeners again, where people can find you, your platform on Instagram and everything else that you have to share. Yes. So I share free resources for parents, translating the research on parenting and child development into information you can use in your everyday life. Um, and I do that on Instagram at Parenting Translator. I have a newsletter on Substack, which is also Parenting Translator. And my website is parentingtranslator.org. And I have recently gotten on TikTok too, at Parenting Translator. Oh, very so good. I'm just starting up with that. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining me. This was such a great conversation. Yes, I love talking to you as well. And for everyone listening, I am sure you love this conversation too. Make sure you show Kara some love by leaving a review, calling out this episode and what you loved about it. Make sure you share it on social media and tag me, Pete's Doc Talk, and Parenting Translator, which is her account, so that we can see how much you love this episode. And I cannot wait to invite another guest next week onto the show. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.